welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Uh, managing editor and writer for ScreenGeek.net. <laughs> like, I, know, uh, I, know, right? I forgot who I am. What? Oh, what's my title again? Holy shit. What have I been doing? <laughs> who am I? Where am I? What year is this? Yeah. And also, who cares if I drink a little pee? It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That was your quote? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I like my segues. They're great. <laughs> yes. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, Two E's in Real. And if you could please review us on iTunes, we would love to get noticed, you know, because we're attention whores. Attention whores, we love it. Oh, yeah, you can also email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. I don't think I said that. And uh, this week we're doing the news, our recent review of Minari, our variety time. A Los Angeles landmark closes. <sighs> mm. And our geriatric cinematic, The Joy Luck Club, which came out in 1993. And uh, Mark, what's the topic? Uh, America through the Asian experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that variety time segment. <laughs> Normally we release an episode like every Tuesday. And obviously, by the time you're getting this, it's going to be Wednesday. There's actually a reason why. <laughs> and actually, two reasons why. Yeah, well, two reasons why, but, like, the variety time is, like, part one of the reasons yeah. why. Yeah. And I'm still feeling it today. Yeah. So, uh, let's get into the news segment. Uh, do you want to take this one? Uh, sure. Uh, Sony Pictures moves uh, movie output deal from Stars to Netflix. Um, so what is rich packed rich pack? My guess is because it means it's going to be worth a lot of money. Oh, okay. maybe that, like, that's, I thought that's it was like a thing. Like what, mm. like what's a rich packed? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So what happened was that Netflix has merged the, um, wow. Has, has emerged the winner of a nearly two year auction for exclusive us rights to stream Sony picture films. Um, it will be that's releases in the first pay TV window starting in studios, uh, starting with the studios 2022 slate. Uh, so it looks like we're going to be getting a lot of these uh, movies from Sony that will be popping up on Netflix. Um, I'm sad about that. I know. Let me see. Because Netflix is, be- to me, better than Sony. Oh, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Sony is actually worse than WB for me. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Wait, really? Yeah. I wouldn't say because at least WB uh, does some, like oh so, oh worse as in like uh, quality wise right mm-hmm. oh, okay I thought you meant like worse like I don't know for some reason I'm, I'm thinking Sony for me like Sony's yeah. worse than WB mm-hmm. and the fact that Netflix is like yeah we won this fucking auction yeah mm-hmm. like no they're shitty um so it looks like you see a new theatrical output deal with netflix which only covers the u.s is believed to run about five years and is undoubtedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the studio over the term that's a lot of fucking money so the promise um that promises so industry sources say the sony executives are working on another significant theatrical movie licensing pack outside the netflix agreement so that promises to bring to netflix future installments of spider-man venom and jumanji franchise among others um so it looks like we're going to be getting sony pictures like streaming on netflix it isn't now i'm not 
I don't believe this actually says like day and day release like HBO Max was doing, but it's like Sony has found a place to like stream their stuff, their their uh, their films, and it'll be Netflix. I know Sony has like a streaming service called like Crackle, but like nobody uses Crackle, and I remember hearing that Sony was looking forward to like create their own streaming services, like how WB has uh, HBO Max or uh, NBC Universal has like Peacock and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they rather just go fuck it. We'll just we'll just put our shit on Netflix instead. Um, there was something I was gonna say about this and I forgot. Hmm. I, th- I thought I read that that even though they made this deal, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean that they can't give their stuff to other streaming services too. Um, I haven't, let me see. I didn't see that anywhere. I wouldn't be. Okay, it says, the the deal also requires Netflix to commit to a certain number of titles from the studio, but it Mm. doesn't stop Sony from selling direct-to-streaming titles to Netflix's rivals. From my understanding, this is like, this is Netflix is like, yo, we got first dibs on this shit. You know, like Fast and Furious movies or like whatever. We got first dibs on Spider-Man. We got first dibs on like Venom and stuff like that. And, um... It seems like what you said, like Sony, Sony has the option to like take it to other places, but I think like after Netflix has like, you know, decided if they want it or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Let me see. Let me uh, a quote from. Uh, Netflix global film head Scott Sturber said, a Sony Pictures is a great partner and we are thrilled to expand our relationship through this forward-thinking agreement. Uh, he goes on to say, this not only allows us to bring their impressive slate of beloved film film franchises and new IPs to the uh, to Netflix in the U.S., but also establishing a new source of first-run films on Netflix movie lovers worldwide. So yeah, they're going to get the first-run deals on this shit. Okay. Um, that makes sense. I mean, Netflix like... I, I know some of their shit is popular. Like I knew Fast and the Furious. Mm. Like that, I would fucking watch that on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they gotta. I mean, given how today the world is, and especially like, granted, like the vaccines out and people are like coming out and like actually like going doing things. Some of that there's still a copious amount of people who rather just stay home. Like if they weren't, if if there wasn't a lot of introverts, a lot of introverts were created. Mm-hmm. Like during this, during like this past year and a half. Yeah. So this is like an opportunity that people be like, yeah, I'm just gonna stay home and like I'll watch this, you know, through Netflix. I would especially watch the Sony stuff through Netflix. Well, come on, come on. <laughs> Not worth money. <laughs> I remember we saw that Venom movie. We were just like, what the fuck? I, I keep thinking about that. Uh, I would totally. I, I mean I, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for that Fast and Furious movie to come That's out. That's literally yeah. the only thing I'm excited to see in theater. Well, the, the uh, Spider Man, um, No Way Home. I think that'd be cool I, to see I in theater. I consider that more Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> That's, true. That's definitely not yeah, Sony. You don't want that Sony stank on it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what else happened in the news? Uh, Indiana Jones Five. In case anyone's asking for that, uh, <laughs> adds Phoebe Waller-Bridge as a female lead, mm-hmm. um, and John Williams is returning for the musical score. Um, so f- she, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, mm-hmm. is a creator and star of Fleabag, um, and Harrison Ford, of course, is coming back. You mm-hmm. know, he is unironically just going to play the same character. He's not going to be like a zombie or like. I think, you know, a reborn, reanimated. I think he's going to be pushing like 75 by the time they start filming. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyways, mm. so he's, of course, back as Indiana Jones. Um, James Mangold is directing. They're not giving away any plot details, um, but the production is going to start sometime in this summer mm. um and jonathan kasdan and david cope are both oh they were both previously announced as working on the script but cope is no longer involved and it's weird the official press release hasn't said who's, who's writing, writing it that's interesting yeah because i remember spielberg was going to come back to do indiana jones 5 and then yeah he did leave for he decided to step down. I'm I'm actually pretty cool that John Williams is coming back to do this because his like scores are very iconic and it's this is like his wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see about who Phoebe Waller Bridge is gonna play. Um, this is me. This is my narrow-minded thinking on it is that they're gonna have some type of like British angle to it because she has like that such that thick British accent. I mean, not to say that she can she can't play an American, but the way how Indiana Jones works is like. Typically, he's going... They get, like, an archaeologist or something from, like, another country or something. Yeah, yeah. Or he's he's dealing with some other... It's... it's it, like Jones, a treasure hunter or... Yeah, Indiana Jones is like a world-hopping kind of franchise. You know, Germany, India, Japan, the jungles of, like, the Amazon or whatever. So do you think that it might be, like, another, like, um, the Da Vinci Code or some shit? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I don't... I mean, that, that fourth Indiana Jones movie was so so fucking god awful like i know you've never seen it and you're gonna torture me with it eventually i, I, feel I, like. don't, I, don't, I think that's one i wouldn't even <sighs> yeah i think you would have to watch it <laughs> i mean you don't have to watch it but like because correct me if I'm wrong you've you haven't really seen it you know i thought have you seen some of the Indiana Jones movies i think those are like one of the movies that that's the franchise you've kind of seen, right? You showed me the first one, and then remember you Ray were all goes. impressed because I saw the flag go in the guy's mouth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that, and, of course, uh, Temple of Doom, and then Last Crusade, which some people say is, like, the best engine. There's always this huge argument of, like, if Last Crusade, which is better, Last Crusade or, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Arc, mm-hmm. arc, sorry. And then there was that fourth one, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is, like... That was supposed to be like a Passover, like not Passover, uh, oh, like a handing off of the torch. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's supposed to be gonna go to Shia LaBeouf, uh-huh. and that movie was so atrocious that you can tell Spielberg <laughs> and George Lucas was like, "Shit, we need to fix this <laughs> like properly." <laughs> that just reminds me. Remember, I told you like a month ago about my coworker who was making like a movie reference to Indiana Jones, and it was the one you had shown me. Oh, <laughs> the the tapers, her. these tapered tape uh, tapestries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you like, weren't you just like, oh yeah, I totally get that uh-huh. reference. And you did. You're just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you saw that one. I'm like, I know. I thought I did, but I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> that you didn't see it. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, so next. Oh yeah, I got the I got the yeah, next one. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Gundam is. Okay, yeah, Jordan Jordan Vaughn Roberts is set to direct the Gundam live action movie uh, from Legendary Netflix. Now Gundam, I'm not a huge huge Gundam fan, but I have seen a number of their series. Um, so Gundam is essentially like mechs, mechs out in space and stuff like that. I think Gundam's been around since like 
since like the mid eighties or something like that. And it has like a super duper, like strong cult following. Now, now I want to say cult following. A lot of people are familiar with, um, like Gundams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story is that, um, Netflix has said just this past Monday that the King Kong, uh, skull Island director, uh, is set to direct a live action film. Um, why the last man, uh, Oh, scry- Oh, Brian K. Vaughn is going to write the script. It's handling the script duties. Okay. Which is also, he's also being an executive producer along with legendaries, Kale Bodier, Boyder, Boyder and Japanese studio sunrise, which originated the franchise. Okay, cool. So the plot is under, under the wrap, under the wraps, it's <laughs> under wraps. Um, <laughs> but for people who don't know, uh, the franchise is set in, in, uh, in the universal century an era in which hum- humanity's growing population has led, uh, people to immigrate to space colonies. And then there's like this colony versus that colony. And then like, it's like a class warfare kind of thing. Like these, there's like, multiple like Gundam series out there are people who argue like which is the best Gundam series they even did a, Gum- a Gundam series which was kind of like a Romeo and Juliet story mm-hmm. which some people don't like it but I remember watching that like when um, it was on Toonami mm-hmm. the Adult Swim program and I remember like really digging it I even liked the ending the ending was like it ended in a kind of like cool way no, no, I don't say cool way it ended in a, in a nice like what's the word I'm looking for it wrapped up pretty nicely. I think, yeah, it wrapped up pretty nice because it was like the two characters. I was like, all right, I like that. And then let's, you know, let's never see them again because it's like a perfect ending for them. Yeah. Um, I'm um, I'm very curious about this. I've been meaning to watch the old Gundam cartoons. Sorry, animes. Um, I, the only thing I'm worried is that it, the director, like I saw Kong Skull Island. I was not impressed by that fucking movie. Um I think this dude, I thought he was working on fucking Metacritic Solid. I guess that's not, maybe that's not happening anymore. Um, you mean Twisted Metal? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, God, that fucking stupid ass shit. For, uh, for stupid people like me, what's the difference between anime and cartoons? Well, right there, it's in the title. Anime, anime normally means Japanese animation. Is it so short? it's cartoons, but it's just Japanese. Well, it's not cartoons. Cartoons is like, fine. All right. Car- cartoons. Okay. Cartoons is a blanket statement. Cartoons is just like cartoons. Okay. Animated. Um, but when you're saying anime, you're, you're actually talking about a specific genre. But we- they have comedy and they have like romance and they have. An anime? Yeah. Yeah. Then you go into the subgenre, just like movies. You have a movie, right? Blanket statement movies. Okay. Now we got action movies. We got comedies. We got dramas. We got romance and stuff like that. So anime is actually like a subgenre. And then all the regular genres would be sub subgenres. Yeah. The sub subgenre. <laughs> like, oh, it's an anime. What kind of anime? Okay. It's a, it's a horror anime. Okay. Cool. I, I know what to expect. Horror anime. Got it. Like, that's it. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> I showed you some anime. Yeah, you have. You have. I showed you two Ninja Scroll and Ghost in the. No, Ninja. <laughs> I remember Ninja Scroll. Ninja no, there Scroll. was something on Netflix or something you were watching for a little bit, a series, and I kind of liked that. I saw like an ep- like a couple episodes of it. Berserk. No. no that's the one. Um. Oh, is it the the Japan Sinks? I don't know. It's oh, it's that something that familiar. Maybe a nice Sedonia. There's so much anime on fucking Netflix now. <laughs> what? Nothing. I just like the rabbit holes we go down. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested in, the, in this. Like I said, I do want to pick up. Oh, now I remember. Uh, Neon Genesis. That's the one. 
uh, that I was watching, and I and you were watching it with me a couple of times. I think so. Yeah, it had like the Max and stuff. Like, well, Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you said Mexican. Yeah, I had the Mexicans, <laughs> <laughs> the Mexicans and the Mex and the Mex again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that, that that happened. Blah. Blah. <laughs> okay. Blah. We're gonna get into our recent review of Minari. What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. How's your daddy like that new farm? He growing things good, doing things right. Yes. I don't like Grandma. Grandma smells like Korea. Yeah. What do Grandma smell? We're here to die here. We can think about it for them. We can see something about their parents. We need to find water somewhere. If that soil ain't wet, we're gonna lose the crop. The synopsis is a Korean family starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas. Uh, directed by Lee Isaac Chung, written by Lee Isaac Chung. And stars Alan S. Kim, Yuri Han, Noel Cho, Stephen Yun, Ye Jung Yoon, and Will Patton. Mm, mm-hmm, <laughs> Will Patton. <laughs> Will Patton. Asian name, Asian name, Asian name. Will Patton. <laughs> um, all right. So, Kelsey, what did you what did you think about this movie? I really like this movie. This movie. It, like it, it's funny because I mm-hmm. remember some of the stuff that they had to deal with mm-hmm. living where they're living. Oh yeah, because you're you're more what Midwest, right? Or you're more you're no, more I was from, on the East Coast. Oh, East Coast. Okay, I keep thinking that you're more mid. No, but we're just fucking poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like some of the things. It's mm-hmm. funny, like <sighs> I I don't know how to feel about this, but like half of the things that are shown to me about living situations with like and it's always like minorities and stuff Mm -hmm. i can kind of relate not to like their cultural strife or anything like that but like i remember living like that i remember like you so you can more relate to like the uh like the poverty yeah exactly yeah yeah because you're because you this is not a spoiler like there's a scene there's a a particular shot in the movie where they show like the trailer that this family's gonna live in Mm. and um you found you were able to relate to that i was like that that trailer is nicer than any of the ones i fucking lived in (laughs) yeah yeah um you know and then there are other things that happened with it that i was like yep that's definitely like living in a trailer (laughs) (laughs) so what did you think about um what did you think about the the, the performance? Um, anybody that, anybody that stuck out for you? Just about everyone stuck out for me this time. Yeah, everyone's like 
fucking on point like in this movie. Even, everyone. Even like um even like the kids, like like if if you folks have been listening for a while, like I'm not like a huge fan of child actors or actresses because it's I don't know, it just it never and it, it, it always irritates me like seeing ch- children act because they usually don't bring anything to the story. Yeah, they always yeah. sort of detract from it because they're bratty. Mm. And if I want to deal with the bratty people or mm. kids, I would go to my neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah, or like you know, it's not. You know the acting is obviously like subpar. It's not that great because you know they're chi- they're children actors. You know, mm-hmm. but like um, if I remember correctly, I think it's Ellen S. Kim. I think that's the name of the son. Yeah, uh, he was on point, and uh, Yuri Han, who was the daughter, uh, she was on point too. No, I, that wasn't the daughter. Is it? Aunt? That was the mother. No, no, the mother was. Uh, Her name was Monica. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. So it was no, so it was no, no Cho, no was Cho. The yeah, yeah. So even they were like on point when mm-hmm. they came to like performing and stuff like that. Like there's this really great, um, like kind of back and forth between uh, Alan S. Kim and like Stephen Yoon. Like mm-hmm. you get, you get a sense like, and, and I know like Stephen Yoon looked a little bit too young for this role. Like I could, like I could have pictured somebody who looked a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brain was kind of like, oh, this is kind of like a brother, like a sibling kind of relationship. But like you, but that's just how my mind was working on it. But from what I, from what within the film, it was more like, okay, yeah, that's totally like a father and son relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, like there's this really touching scene where like, um, the father finds something and they're like, ce- him and the son are celebrating and the son's like screaming. He's like, you know, scream louder, be happier. And he like screams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. I can I think, totally see that. Yeah. I was like, what did they find? Oh, yeah. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting the type of story that they were telling. Mm-hmm. Because if you think of a Korean family coming to the United States, you don't think of them becoming farmers so Mm, i really like how they told the story and how authentic it felt yeah Um, yeah you know and how not very stereotypical it was in a lot of ways yeah yeah like they weren't and i this this from from what i read um lee isaac chung this is like a semi autobiographical film like this is stuff that he went through growing up. No, oh. um, not to like, like I said, it's it's not a whole, it's not the enti- his entire story. Obviously, it's just like bits and pieces of like what he took from, um, growing up on a farm and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it like breaks away from like my what i would say would be like bad hollywood writing which would be like oh they want to open up like a store or something like that yeah. like it is like, 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 like that a is, convenience store or they want to live in chinatown or some shit yeah yeah, Korea and that, town. yeah and that's a very stereotypical thing to like do i'm not saying that's that's not something that does happen but it's like we've seen that like a thousand times and it's so refreshing to like have a family trying to grow a farm and like how we see them struggling to like get things off the ground mm-hmm. um Especially, I really enjoyed the performance between um, Steven Yeun and uh, Yuri Han. Like, like their relationship, like, you can tell it's, like, strained from the beginning. And it's, like, slowly becoming, like, harder and harder and harder for them to, like, stay together. Because Steven Yeun's character essentially, like, just up, like, upends their life. And is like, hey, let's go to Arkansas mm-hmm. and do this, you know. And the wife is very hesitant like from the jump mm-hmm. she's just like when she sees the house she's like are you serious we're doing this you know <laughs> so 
yeah, and so that kind of goes off of like the performance, like the especially fucking uh, Young Jun Un, the the fucking grandmother. <laughs> yeah, Jung Yoon. Yeah, Young Jung Yoon. I sorry. thought you were saying like, like um, yeah. Kim Jong Un or oh, some shit. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the performance from her, fucking phenomenal. I think she won like a BAFTA award too. Uh, yeah, she was amazing. Mm. I that quote that I I said in the beginning came from her. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a spoiler, but like, she has so much fire and um. They spend so much time building you up to care about her mm-hmm. um, that what ends up happening to her towards the end is like, like, kind of makes sense. Like, something happens that I'm not going to give away, mm-hmm. but her spirit is always there. Yeah, yeah. Even through everything. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I Like, the thing sucked, but, like... Also, I could tell she's like totally there. Mm-hmm. It's also very, also very realistic how how it, how it goes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. One thing that I think one thing I was actually really glad this movie didn't do was it didn't like harken in the idea of like um, the racism like this family would deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not saying that like oh, I'm glad they didn't show it or whatever like that. It's just it's there. But it's not like a driving point in the movie. Yeah, and and also just because they were in Arkansas in the 1980s mm. doesn't mean every single person in Arkansas in the 1980s was racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there are m- lots of people who are much more accepting of Asian people than Black people. Yeah, and it and it it didn't um, like there's like a little smidges of here and there that kind of pops up, but it, like I say, it, you can tell that. Um, like it stems more from ignorance as opposed to yeah. downright uh, malice. Yeah, and like pitchforks and like cross burning and stuff like that. Get out of here, chinks or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. nothing re- like that really pops up um, because I think I think Lee Isaac Chung would see that it like takes away from like what this family is struggling within mm-hmm. than opposed of out. You know, because like if we're getting the struggle to struggle from within and and out. It'd be like they're just beating the shit out of them, their mm. spirits, you know? Yeah. Well, what's funny? Fucking Will Patton. Uh, <laughs> I love Will Patton this movie. That dude's been acting for like decades. And then seeing him act like that, I was like, I remember many of those people <laughs> like walking through my streets and shit like that growing up. I seriously, after watching him in this movie, mm. like leg- I am legitimately concerned for his well-being. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't behave the way you did on screen and not have something really off with you in real oh life. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this shows how good of an actor he is. I do like a yeah, but where is it coming from, Mark? Where's it coming from? I don't know. It's character studies or something like that. <laughs> He's a character actor. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh yeah, his his performance is really great as well. Because uh, there's that one scene I'm not gonna give away, but it's just a scene where he does this thing with his hand. Oh yeah, I know. What and you're I'm like, about. what the fuck? Is that the that scene with the cigarette? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but like, um, yeah, like he, he's the one who kind of like, he doesn't, he doesn't act like somebody who's, who's off, who's off for like comedic purposes. 
it's a, like a little bit to bring a little bit of lighthearted nature to like some of the serious subject that comes up, like the them trying to like get the farm, get the um, not get the farm, but um, dealing with like marital problems and stuff like that, or trying to get like the crops to like grow and shit like that. It's a little bit of like, oh yeah, that's like what he does is funny, but it's like realistic, like. Like I said, I've encountered many people like that who've worked like these labor jobs that you can tell like they're off, but like their heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. They're just like a little too um, like uh, religious, religious. Or... In some cases, like religious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not like the persecution kind of religious. It's like, wow, they've been touched by God a little too much. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they talk too much or maybe mm-hmm. they move really strangely and you just, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to get into the spoiler section? Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're going to hop into the spoiler section. for, for So, for those who have seen the movie, uh, we're going to talk about it in great lengths. Um, well, let me cue up the sound. Make sure you get it right. All right. Cue up the sound <laughs> just right. <laughs> so, for those who have not seen uh, Minari, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. Hi. <laughs> okay. Mm. I want to talk about mm. sort of like it's the cat snoring the cat and is the snoring. microphone is picking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor pocket. I know. She's like, "What the fuck did I do?" Uh, yeah, as you are. <laughs> I kind of want to go down the list of characters, just like. Okay. Talk about what stood out about them and like. Okay, sure. Let's talk about the little boy first, since he's first on the list anyway. Alan S. Kim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the actor, but he plays David mm. in the movie. This little boy is told that he has a weak heart. He cannot run because he has a heart murmur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't know was a thing because every like almost everyone in my family was born with a heart murmur. Oh, really? But. We all grew out of it, except for my sister, mm-hmm. who has to be on medication before she gets her teeth cleaned or oh, any really? kind of dental work done, and has to be closely monitored every time she has a kid. Like, oh, okay, okay. But there was never any mention about you cannot run. I I I think with that with with this movie. Um, or maybe it was because it was in the eighties and it was different at that time. Yeah, it's probably that, and I think it also goes into the um, the overprotective nature of the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, even like, there's even like there's even like a, a subtle difference when the mother's like when David starts running and the mother's like, stop running. She has like a she has like a level of panic in her like a small level of panic in her voice when she's like stop running. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like when it comes to Jacob, the Stephen Yoon character, he's more like. Like, hey, like, stop running. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, like, I'm saying stop running because your mom's going to freak the fuck out. Right. And um, it, it, there's this way how, like, how he runs that's actually pretty adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, he's almost, like, gearing up to, like, run really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then when they say like, and then those boots look kind of like they're gonna fall off him or something. So he's got to run almost like he's shuffling his feet. Too. Yeah. And then when they t- when either the dad or mom is like, stop running, you can just see him go like, oh, <laughs> like I can't run. <laughs> um, it's funny because you don't really get a sense in the very beginning that he really cares where he lives. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's his mom that has the issue with where they're living. So Mm -hmm. he ends up in the middle of his dad telling him, like, hey, tell your mom how much you love it here. Yeah. So she'll want to stay. Yeah. And then the mother brings a grandma and, like, this boy is like, I hate grandma. Yeah. Like, Like, it's funny because you don't really get a sense that he really hates anything. But, like, she's, like fucking up his flow like he can't have <laughs> yeah. mountain dew he's got to drink this nasty ass tea that she makes for him yeah it's supposed like, to be for his heart murmur or something like that yeah and he was like don't ever give this to me again yeah there's even that really that really good part where she's talking to the grandmother and she's like he's like you're not a real grandma and she's like well what's a real grandma and it's like a real grandma makes cookies uh-huh. it does this it does this and a real grandma doesn't wear men's underwear <laughs> it's like he's got like a list of demands and shit like yeah. that um so you, it's like because he hadn't met her before that so yeah so he was just kind of like like i'm not i don't feel connected to you mm-hmm. um and you know like i, I kind of get where that little boy is coming from you know oh like, yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, and it does take a while for them to bond too i guess yeah but like even like the bonding the bonding really does it like the bonding like blossoms like or completely organically yeah it wasn't too fast or too slow yeah like there's even this there's this really funny part where the mother's another mother grandmother's like oh go, go get me that go get me that water from the mountains <laughs> is what she was referring to mountain dew because <laughs> they lied to her she's like what kind of drink is this and they're like yeah it's water from the mountains but it's mountain dew <laughs> yeah and then he like pees in a cup and gives it to her and she drinks it yeah and like he he's punished like the dad is gonna like punish him and tells him like to get the switch and everything, but he, the kid does that. I think any but any other kid who's ever been who's ever been told to go get the switch to go get a switch, mm-hmm. he gets him like this little twig and stuff like that. Even it wasn't the, even a twig; it was like a piece of hay. Like yeah, like, and even yeah. like even the mother was like how, not the mother. The grandma was like, oh, that's clever. You know what? It's okay. It, it, it's <laughs> She's okay. like, you win. That's yeah. what she said. You win. <laughs> yeah. So it's like so there are plenty plenty of op- you get plenty of examples of like that relationship growing um organically if i would have to say my biggest complaint with something that's similar like that is that we didn't i feel like we didn't get enough of of Anne, the the daughter i kind of wanted to see more who she would bond with closer because it feels like the movie was more focused on um jacob monica and then david and then a little bit even of like the grandmother it was a lot of the grandmother yeah but like Anne was kind of like she, she had, was like, here, take care of your brother. And, like, yeah. she, I felt like if she grew up to be an adult mm-hmm. and, like, if we saw her as an adult, she would have complaints about everybody was more important than her. Yeah. And I, it's almost like she was expected to be less important than everybody else anyway. Yeah. So, like, like I, and that's, see, when you say it like that, now I think about I don't know if it's, like, a positive or a negative because, like, on screen, it's kind of like a negative, like, I wanted to see more of her and who she like bonds with and her her character develop. But 
off screen, you can, like the my mindset is like, okay, I can see where her mind would go later. Like as you said, like nobody, everybody else was important except me. So you can almost kind of see like an example of a child who goes who has that later on in their life without even like physically seeing it. I feel like it doesn't matter as much to me as it does to you. Mm, okay. Because we already have so much going on. Mm-hmm. And she played the parts that she was supposed to play. Mm. And some of the times that she was on screen, one, she seemed a little bratty because she was of that age. Yeah. And she didn't want to deal with her younger brother. Mm. Um, but it wasn't like overly bratty. Yeah, and yeah, I just felt sense. like she was of that age where she was going to be awkward or she was going to be mm. too much of something. So I'd rather see as much as I saw of her than to see more of her and be annoyed. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, because she was just, like, that awkward age. Yeah. Um, so, let, let's go over, like, the Steven Yeun character. Um, and, and yeah, let's because, like, Steven Yeun, he has, like, a lot of interactions, especially, like, with his wife, Monica, um, who they have, like, this strained relationship. And you can tell, like, there was, like, this serious level of, like, mad love for one another. Um, when they were, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think they're from Korea. Mm-hmm. You can tell like they were like madly in love in like Korea. So like life was really different between them and the relationship between them was really different. Um, but when we get them in like in Arkansas, we, we can kind of tell that like things weren't so great since they've been in America. Like the relationship has kind of been like thinning out, thinning out, mm-hmm. thinning out and everything. And it, it's like their relationship was all about the kids because yeah exactly because uh david with his heart murmur and everything mm-hmm. and they were living i think in like california yeah they came from california for like a while and he was like a chicken sexer yeah he he did say that like and he was like really really fast and he was making good money but it wasn't going far enough. Yeah, and that and like the whole thing of them going to Arkansas was like a huge gamble that he was willing to willing to take. And you got a sense that like the wife was not really was not truly not not truly fully on board. Um, she didn't know where they were going. She knew they were moving, mm-hmm. but he didn't tell her what type of setup they had, or he kind of yeah. embellished. Yeah, and I feel like that's almost kind of true. Like. I, I'm not an expert, but I feel like that's kind of true to, like, the type of relationships, like, Korean husbands and wives have, where the husband makes the decisions and the wife yeah. has to follow. Yeah, yeah. Because you get a set, like, later on in the movie, he's mm. like, if you, if it doesn't work by such and such a time, then you can leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I will allow you to leave. Yeah, and that's like I don't say that's weird, but like I mean, that's definitely not an American sentiment. Like, if you're not fucking happy, you leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like it was almost like he was in a way, like still I don't say commanding her, but like telling her what to do. Like, these are your choices, so you're gonna have to pick this one, but not in a brutal way. Like, leave. You know, he was. He, he was just like, like I'll give you your freedom. Yeah, 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 exactly. If, that, if that's what you want to choose, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your freedom. Yeah, and there was like, and there was no way that you could actually like pick one or other side. You can't be like, oh, he was, he was more of an asshole, or she was more bitchy, or stuff like that. You kind of got like, I see where they're both coming from, because like uh, Jacob, he's like, he he did this farm because he wanted to like do something more than just. What's it, what's it called? Chicken sexing or whatever? Yeah, chicken sexing. 
I almost say sexting. <laughs> he wanted to. He wanted to be more than that. He wanted to be his own boss. He actually wanted to like grow stuff. And he like, wanted a legacy that he could pass on to his kids. Yeah, and of course, his wife was being, in a, in a sense, much more practical. Um, even like the parts where she was like trying to convince him, like you know, we shouldn't be living here. We should live like further in town where there's other Koreans and there's like a Korean church and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even like tries to say like oh like if if david has something happens the the hospital's like an hour away mm-hmm. um so she was even still kind of like uh what was it like jacob's head was almost like almost completely in the clouds but she was just not there she didn't she wasn't so not only was she like like scared of different situations but mm. she was just unsupportive and using those situations that hadn't happened yet yeah to fuel her disapproval of what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was that, and then like, like the struggles that like, because like there's there's a minute where like Jacob is actually doing pretty well. Like the crops are coming in well and everything like that. Oh, and the thing is, he's not growing like corn. No, yeah, he's actually he's like growing like different Korean vegetables because he feels like he can sell those because those are going to be in more demand. Mm-hmm. Because Koreans will want to buy those since it, they're not easily had. Yeah, he was like cornering that market, which it was like, if you think about it, it's like that's really fucking smart. Yeah, that was really fucking smart. It's like as long as he, as long as he can grow the crops, like he'll he'll just start getting all this cash for like the the I'm sorry the, the demand is there, just no one has gotten it yet. Mm-hmm. And so it shows like a level of like intelligence of like how he's like he's not just uh, what's it called like a shoot off the hip or whatever that term is. Yeah, yeah. Shoot off the hip, shoot from the hip, or um, yeah. fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, exactly. Like he's actually like thinking the stuff out. Um, and there's this like really great part um, at the beginning of the movie where he like is talking to some. I forgot what they're called, but like there are people who like can search that can like sense where like a water well is or whatever. A dowser. A dowser. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and then like the dowser's like, oh, it's here, but it's like three hundred dollars. You know, for I can like it's it's it's, it's oh, a, he was like testing it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was so stupid because they had a, a like a mason jar of water. Yeah. Like the boy David and uh and Jacob. Yeah. And the guy was like the dowser was like, Hey, put it down somewhere mm-hmm. and I'll find it. And he's yeah. blindfolded. Yeah. So then David was like, Okay, we put it down. Obviously he's gonna fucking like hear where their voices are coming from. Yeah, and from. go from there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but, and then like of course Jacob's like, Jacob's like, and Jacob's like talking like sense to David. Uh, after he's like, I'm not gonna pay that dowser like three hundred dollars to get to find me water. He's like, Where's the water? It comes from here. It's coming from here. And they actually find water, which is, um, which that that moment when like him and his son find that water and they're like screaming for like joy and everything like that it's not like overly dramatic it's not like music swelling like jacob's like like screaming like be happy and david's like wow like stuff like that and it's like this very cute well moment. it's funny though too because jacob jacob kind of sounds too prideful too yeah because yeah, yeah, he's exactly. like i'm not paying money for the for them to find water mm-hmm. you we're smart we have brains right <laughs> so yeah. he tells his little son where do you think the water is gonna be yeah exactly like what happens where there's water and david's like things grow and he's like yeah 
so then he's like it's over there the trees are growing and then they they figure out like oh yeah the water is probably over there and then yeah. he's like yeah we got brains like he was kind of a little <laughs> macho about it i'm like yeah that's a that's a, a guy sentiment for you yeah so i i like <laughs> i like how that is like that's like the thing that kicks off with jacob like this is how we're going to grow crops. This is our water source. Boom. Like we're good to go. And then how that like comes back and like bites him in the ass so hard. Mm-hmm. Cause like the well gets dry and it, it gets dry and he has to make the, the choice of like, Oh, I have to like hook up the water line to the city. Yeah. And I was just like, that's like his, that was like, that was like a moment where you could just start seeing things like progressively getting worse mm-hmm. but without being like, overly dramatic like as soon as you saw him plug that water and you're just like oh it's just gonna go worse from here mm-hmm. like in a in a kind of like in a kind of like clever kind of way yeah um so that like there was that and then um that scene between uh david and not david um jacob and monica in the hospital that was like Fuck, that was some goddamn good acting right there. In the, You mean in the hospital or after when they were at the market? I would say both. I would say when they're in the hospital and after the market. Oh, because they were playing. The kids were playing in the hospital and they were sitting outside waiting to be seen by the doctor. Yeah, because like they had like a real frank conversation, you know, and that the wife even said something online of like, like, I haven't been happy for a while. Like, I've been like struggling to find a reason like why I should stay here or mm-hmm. to stay with you. And you can kind of, that's already like one like nick that the Jacob character gets. Because you can kind of see it in his eyes like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. this is really happening. And then how David, no, sorry, not David, uh, Jacob makes a deal with that Korean uh, store owner who's like, you know, oh, like, these are the vegetables that we want and everything like that. And he makes like my his first order, which is really, was really great. Mm-hmm. And this is like a moment for like them to be like really happy. And the wife is just like, what happens next month? Like, and the next month, the next month, like, you, like you're not thinking ahead, you know? Mm-hmm. And like that conversation between the two was just like, was like legit acting. Cause you can just see those tears like building, especially from Steven Yoon, mm-hmm. which I completely see why that dude was nominated for an Oscar for this role. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think Yuri Han might be nominated as well mm-hmm. for an Oscar. I like Steven Yeun in that in that scene too because you could tell like he has two loves like warring inside of him. Mm-hmm. He really does love his wife and he really doesn't understand their level of sacrifice mm. like his from anyone in his family for him to have this dream of being a farmer. Yeah. Because for him, it's not a sacrifice. He loves this, and he wants to do it, and he thinks it's going to help his family. Yeah. And she just doesn't see it that way. So now it's like he has to choose one or the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so unfortunately, uh, Yuri Han is not nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's the grandmother's name again? Yeah, Jung Yoon. She's nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I'm gonna really be happy if she would. I Me forgot. Too. I forgot who else is nominated for like best supporting actress. But I'll be. I'll be like, damn, she deserved that one. <laughs> yeah, she does. Um. So, what did you think about the? Um, oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, the Will Patton. The Will Patton scene. You get to go with the Will Patton scene. Which one? <laughs> Will Patton's character is like. It's hilarious. It's like he's high, but he's not. He's high off of Jesus. <laughs> He's high on Christianity. He has seen the light. It's like you see, you know, 
crack addicts on the street. <laughs> how fucking jittery they can be and shit. Uh. But he's not on crack. And he looks healthier. Mm. Um, yeah, there's that scene where, <laughs> where like, Steven Yeun tried to, Steven Yeun's character hands him, hands him a character, like, a cigarette. Or he tries to. Yeah. And he, what does he, what does he do? He's like, rah, 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 rah. like No, he, he puts his hands on his, like, his fingers on his mouth. Uh-huh. You know how, oh. like, like, you know how. The, what's it called, like, raspberry or something like that? No, because that's going, <laughs> like that. Yeah. No, he's, he has his. You, usually, like, if you do this with your finger and you go, like, with your lips. Mm-hmm. But he had his finger, like, his fingers uh-huh. pointed at his mouth and he went, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I can't do it because it kind of feels unnatural. But um, it was really fucking weird. It was like, just say no. <laughs> I feel I feel like Will Patton kind of, like, made that up on the spot. <laughs> I do, too. That's That's... The moment I was concerned for his <laughs> mental health. <laughs> um, yeah, but Will Penn does a, like a really great job in this movie playing somebody who's like seriously off. Um, but like, his, like he drags across around town every Sunday yeah. as like his penance to Jesus and shit. Yeah, for what uh, you have to think that like. There are people who do that too. Yeah, but you have to think like that character had like seen some people. like there's because there's that conversation between Will Patton, uh, Will Patton's character and Steven Yeun's character where he's like, "Oh, I fought in, like in the war," and you got an idea he's talking about maybe like the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he seems like he's of that age where he's maybe fought in the Korean War, uh, and he was like, "Oh, it was a sign. It's like a sign that like I was I oh I remember he says like it was a sign that I would." Uh, you and I would be friends, you know, because you're Korea, and I and and I fought the war. I've been in the war, and he's like, "Yo, dude, did you kill?" Like he fought in Korean War. He must have killed a lot of Koreans and shit. It's funny because the message didn't really come through to me at that time until you're oh, okay. talking right now. Yeah, like I th- I felt like he seemed like he didn't understand the boundaries of that conversation at that time. Yeah, to be like, "Yeah, you're Korean, and I fought in the Korean War, so we can be friends." <laughs> I d- it didn't dawn on me that maybe he thought. That the fact that uh, Steven Yeun's character couldn't really pay him, mm. um, and he still wanted the job as penance, like it didn't really click oh, okay. for me. Yeah, until now. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because that's like, I, that's like I figured he was just like, yeah, like I need something to do, and uh, we can be yeah. friends. So you know, whatever. Yeah, not like I got some serious shit to like make up for. make up for. Yeah, I mean, because you can tell that. He probably seen some shit and done some <laughs> horrendous shit. Yeah. Uh, so this movie also covers like the whole like um, superstitious part of like what some Korean families like go through, mm-hmm. which I thought was really good because like the mother, the mother has said about the mother was spiritual and she talked about how, um, you know, being superstitious and stuff like that. And the grandmother had that sense, but then like even like the father. He wasn't really having that. But the grandma wasn't as superstitious as the mom either. Because there was that time mm. where the grandma was trying to sleep and the little boy was in the bed. Mm-hmm. And and his mother was like, you know, if the little kids, they would pray to God that they let, they'd be let into heaven. Yeah. And basically saying, like, I know I'm going to die, so please don't make me go to hell. <laughs> 
And he's like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the grandma's like, why is why is your mother telling you this bullshit? Like, well, see, there you go. See, I think that it's it, I we have a character shift. Oh, so we had that character trait shift later on when the when the grandmother has that stroke, mm-hmm. and she's like laying uh she's like laying in the bed and she's like pointing to something like to the dresser, which is the dresser that he would pull and like butts his foot on. Mm-hmm. Um. And like how she said, like she said, like don't touch that area. It's like blackened or dark or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like she was seeing something that they weren't seeing. And of course, and then the Will Patton character is like goes there and almost like exercises that area. Mm-hmm. So it, it shows like how the grandmother was her 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 belief had like shifted over when she saw that. Mm-hmm. And then what ended up happening is like that corner of that dresser it comes back in a big way where it hits his foot. Uh, it hits his foot. They go to the hospital, um, and then like the fire starts. Like while they're away, mm-hmm. um, so it's so it's it it kind of deals with the whole like superstition and curse and stuff like that, and how like certain things occur for a reason to like amount to like maybe either something more meaningful or something that reconnects them. Yeah, if that makes sense. It does, mm-hmm. and also because you know. I kind of feel like if you have a stroke, you're either going to be more spiritual or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and of course, since she probably had a spiritual upbringing, even if she'd fallen off of it. Yeah, yeah. She probably was going to go back to it. Yeah. So, what did you think about the, um, that scene when the, uh, what's it called? The shack where they were storing the food? That Mm -hmm. it was like on fire. What did I think about that scene? Yeah, like, did you see, did you feel there was anything symbolic with that? Shaq being caught on fire and then how uh how the how the mother and father essentially kind of like saved themselves there was a couple of things about that okay first of all um obviously it's almost like an analogy for their marriage yeah 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 um and like the boxes of fruit are like all of their little issues yeah exactly yeah and they couldn't they couldn't save any of that like, mm. they couldn't fix it or anything, so they had to leave it. Mm. But I really thought that those kids were going to lose their parents. Yeah, for a moment, you were just like, holy shit, they might die. And that would have been really fucked up. It would have been. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, I felt bad for the grandma, too, because she just wanted to be helpful. Yeah. And- like, she wanted to have her worth. Mm-hmm. You know, and she started that fire. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like that that fire happened, and then what happens after? Where I, what happens after? It was kind of like a restart of the family of what they're gonna do, because like how Jacob actually like contacts a uh, what are they call a dowser 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 like actually contacts a dowser, and they actually like. Um, find a place to get water yeah from. and they like decide to stay in the land and then like all the like all the the minari that uh the grandmother had planted like blossomed mm-hmm. so it's kind of like them kind of like restarting like okay let's try this again mm-hmm. and like maybe we'll have more success and it now. seems like the wife was like okay that per- put things into perspective for me yeah, like i yeah, exactly. don't want to lose you mm. and i know it's hard work but i we can do it yeah yeah definitely um and like the in a way, the movie kind of ends suddenly, like with the whole Minari, like with them uh, pulling the Minari and everything, and the family kind of standing there. It, to me, it felt like it ended, it ended sun- suddenly, but I only felt like that because I felt like I could have watched them for like maybe like another hour, because I was like so invested with this family. Mm, I didn't feel that way. Really? 
I was invested in the family, but mm. I felt like by the time they got through all of their issues and they were getting back into farming, mm. I had seen it come full circle. And, mm. and to me, that was not sudden and it was enough. Oh, okay. Because they, to me, it, yeah, it was like it, they wrapped it up pretty good. Yeah, I can see that. But no. So if they would have continued, it probably would have felt like more of a drag to me. Yeah, I could have went for another, at least another 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, there was, there was a couple, I, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint it, but like, I got a sense of like first cow in this movie. And I, I, I got, I got that sense more, of I think cause it was like them kind of like, I guess, searching for the American dream, but this is more in, in a more, uh, contemporary era, you know, and less of like stealing cow milk i don't know it's like i felt like like it's probably because of the pacing Mm -hmm. though this movie does it better yeah because they spend a lot of time Mm. in the field and there's not really a lot of music going on or not really a lot of anything going on Mm -hmm. just you're hanging out with this family yeah yeah and i think because also it was i don't i don't know if the cinematography is the if it's the same cinematographer but like it looked beautiful like like first cow I think that's why it, it kind of looked the same, and I guess that's why I was kind of getting a feeling of like of um, of first cow and and Minari kind of like being in the same world realm, something like that. Mm. Uh, gotcha. No, nah, it's two different cinematographers. It's funny though. Um, I saw the beauty in it, but maybe not as much as you because I grew up in that kind of setting. Oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't live on a farm, but I lived... Poor. In farmlands? Like, yeah. Like, in high school, I lived in, like, a trailer park in the woods. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you travel half a mile, not even half a mile down the road, mm. in either direction, there were... There's cornfields on one side and cows and fields on the other side. <laughs> like... Uh-huh. So I, I, I guess I, I saw that so much that I maybe I'm a little desensitized to it. Oh, I get you. I get you. And of course, cows smell really bad, but not as bad as pigs. Pigs are the fucking worst. Actually, chickens are the worst, but. Yeah, the chicken farm. For some reason, I'm thinking there, there were pigs in this movie, but I'm I'm mixing this with that uh, QAnon documentary we, we spent a couple of days watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I like I said, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. There's really not a whole lot to even like really say what was like this movie is not it's not bad at all. It's actually Mm-mm. my opinion is actually really great. I can see why it's getting so many accolades. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't have anything that's like, oh, I didn't like this. Or yeah. like even the grandma was really organic, like she came from Korea. And mm. it's so funny because David was like, You smell like Korea. I don't like her because <laughs> yeah. she smells like Korea. Yeah, he's never been in He's and never, he's been, never to Korea. been to Korea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're just like, That was really racist to say. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Very rude and racist against your own grandmother. I know. Great. <laughs> um, so, what's your, what's your final say on, on Minari? I really enjoy this movie. Yeah. And I think other people should watch it too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to. I'm asking a stupid question. Do you think your mom would enjoy it? No. No. Yeah, I feel like I knew the answer to that. <laughs> if it's not like you know, one of the people that she finds really handsome, mm. or a cop procedural of some sort, she's mm. probably not going to enjoy it. 
so oh, I so I forgot to tell you I because I, I was listening to um I was listening to NPR's the business I think it's NPR but yeah the the business uh and they um the host was interviewing uh, Lee Isaac Chung the story goes with this movie is that he if I remember correctly he started off he wanted to become a filmmaker oh yeah no okay so. He dropped his plans to attend medical school to become a filmmaker. And he'd been trying for like years to make it in Hollywood. And he decided to write this script, right? And he was just like, all right, if I don't sell this script or if I don't make a movie of the script, I'm just, I'm out. I'm just going to do teaching for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And he had talked to a couple of people and they were like passing his script around. And eventually, like, somebody had contacted, I don't remember who did, but someone actually contacted him and was like, um, I want to make your movie. He's done like he's done other movies, but nothing like as successful as this. But he was ready to drop. Uh, he was ready to to like stop trying to be a director. Not stop trying to be a director, but he was ready to stop being a director because it was just getting too hard for him. Yeah, like and that whole thing that you even talk about, like because you haven't even really started yet. Yeah, and you're always like, I'm starting too late. Blah blah. blah. But yeah. like. You know, you you have to get to a point where you're like, okay, I could do this other thing, mm. but like, I'm glad it worked out for him that he didn't have to go do the other thing. Yeah, he's actually wow, is he? He's actually tapped to do this movie. How old is he? Uh, Lee Isaac Chung. Let me see. He was born in. I just saw his bio right now. He's born seventy eight, so he's about. 44 45 or something like that because that's from my brother's age mm. um yeah but he's been making movies since let me see his short his first short was not until like 2004 and his first movie was until 2007 and these are movies i've never heard of but like he's like nominated for if i remember correctly he's nominated for best director and best writer mm. for this movie um but yeah this dude like this movie this movie's gonna like he, he's his name's gonna be passed around a lot in Hollywood. And he now. didn't need Marvel to do it. He didn't need Marvel to do it. He didn't need Marvel to do it at all. However, however, I would not be surprised if Marvel hits him up. <laughs> like exactly. in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what did you say he was tapped to do? He's tapped to do this movie a live action version of this anime called Your Name. Um, I haven't seen it, but I remember when it came out like a couple of years ago, it was all over the fucking place. Yeah. Um, I remember J.J. Abrams' production was like tapped to make it. And from what I'm seeing, it looks like they're finally going to get that movie off the ground. Mm. Um, don't we just have to wait and see. But I mean, from from this movie, like I, I can't wait to see this next dude's movie. The thing that I wanted to say about the trailer uh. that I didn't say when we weren't in the spoiler section mm-hmm. was that it was fucking leaking when it was raining. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and, just like... And I'm like, that's a trailer for sure. <laughs> it seems like it doesn't matter how much tar you put on the roof. It's always going to fucking leak. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we used to have, like, if you walk in the door on the side, mm. and then you walk in, you're, like, in between the living room and the kitchen because you're kind of looking at the cabinets. Yeah. And if you, like, go to the sink... Mm. Every time it rained, there was like one of those long lights up under the cabinet. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like it would rain, and that light shorted out because the rain got to it. Yeah. Um. I had a fr- I had a friend who lived in the trailer, and she would tell me stories like that about how and we had holes in the floor. Oh, I definitely remember experienced that. Uh, you know, the in the the friend that I knew. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah, I mean, Minari is like definitely worth a watch. Like, I'm kind of sad I didn't see it. So, well, saw it eventually, but I was just like, damn, why didn't I watch this movie fucking sooner than when we had planned to? I, don't know, I didn't even know about it till you were like, yeah, let's. This is on the Oscar list. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I trust you, Mark. You made great. You made great choices and like stuff in movies and and shows like no, like w- like warrior <laughs> do i need to tell you about warrior right now no okay okay <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk about off air. we're going pretty long in this section okay uh so <laughs> i feel like you want to tell me i do all right what just go ahead <laughs> just do it just rip out my heart the story got a little better ah <laughs> I think he's like a little bit better. It did a little bit better, but I don't like the one girl from the fighting ring. Um, the one who, the one who popped that guy. Mm, I don't know. You said the fighting ring, the Mexican yeah. girl, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The one who popped that guy. Okay. Okay. Um, the style is not any better than the first season. Oh, though. shut up! It's not. Okay. It's very like, <laughs> like, you know, except for all the sex. Mm-hmm. Teenagers would love this fucking show. Yeah. I'm not a teenager. <laughs> like, Sometimes you need to put your mind in a teenager. I need to put my mind in a teenager? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That sounds so stupid of me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you're not stupid, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what we got next? All right. We are going to do our variety time. <laughs> I feel like that intro music is like facetiously happy oh, for what I we're know. about to fucking talk about. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Yeah. Um, Probably should have thought that one through. <laughs> Arclight Cinemas Pacific Theaters will close permanently. And like, I heard that news. I didn't even, first of all, I didn't really read the full article. I, I just mm-hmm. sent it to you because I was like, oh yeah, Arclight's closing. And from in my mind, I was like, you know, the one that we would go to in L.A. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, you know, all the other ones are going to be open. You're like, no, they're all closing permanently. And I was, like, still kind of like, oh, that sucks. Well, th- but it didn't hit me until you're like, that was our thing. Like, we would go to the fucking Arclight cinemas. I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. And then I got really depressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was. Yeah. When you, you sent me that article, like, while I was driving, I popped on my phone and looked at. And of course, I shouldn't be driving and, and looking at my phone. But you do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like. Like when it said like arc like arc like some of those permanent clothes, and I was like, for some reason, my brain was not registering. I was like, okay, I hate to see theaters closed, but this is bad. I just don't know why it's fully bad. Like I haven't, like it hadn't dawned on me why it's bad. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. It hadn't, it hadn't fully dawned on me. I knew it was bad, but it hadn't fully dawned on me. And I was like, all right, something's wrong. I sh- I should have an emotional feeling to this. And then like, I read the article, and the arc like the arc like cinemas, which. There's like 200, 200 theaters, but more specifically, the ArcLight in Hollywood off of Sunset, that that is the Cinerama Dome, is clo- permanently closed. And that's, that's when I was like, oh, fuck, not that one. Like, yeah. Like for, like, for those who don't know, like, I love old school theaters, like the Egyptian or... Um, what's that theater that, one, that we normally would attend at the Secret Movie Club? The, the Frida, the Frida, like theaters, the Beverly, like the Beverly, yeah, or the New Beverly, yeah, theaters like that, or like small theaters, you mm-hmm. know. 
Um, now, granted, Arc Like Cinema is not like a small theater, but the Cinerama though is like a Hollywood staple. It's been a staple since like 1963, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, it, the company had made a statement and said, after shutting our doors for uh, more than a year ago, today we must share the difficult and sad news that Pacific will not be reopening its Arc Like Cinema and Pacific Theater's locations. Um, this was not the outcome anyone wanted, but despite a huge effort that exhausts all potential options, the company does not have a viable way forward. Um, many reporters and and film uh like news organizations they've been trying to contact them and they have not responded at all um there has been a ton of people who were just like are like heartbroken by this uh john uh john chu who was um the guy behind crazy race asian had commented on it uh perry barry jenkins he tweeted just simple fuck you know um John Chu, he said, uh, "What's that news? I love this. I love this theater, and I had my first premiere for my first movie. Step up to the streets there. I snuck out of the movie early so I could cut <laughs> cut a piece of the red carpet out and keep it. It was it sits on my desk. Man, this is hard to read. Even like Ryan Johnson has like, let me see Ryan Johnson's comment because I love me some Ryan Johnson. He said, "Well, this sucks. Every single person who worked there at the ArcLight movie." Uh, ArcLight loves movies, and you felt it. Sending love to every usher manager." Uh, projectionist Edgar Wright um, my man Edgar Wright even says something like you know like can it be saved is there anything that we can do to like keep it rolling yeah Um, because like it makes me think of like that neon arcade yeah yeah and like they've always had they were from the beginning they've been campaigning like hey mm. guys like we need money to stay you know make our rent for July or whatever because Mm. we we can't be open even though we don't really fall under like amusement park Mm status or whatever they're treating us the same yeah uh edgar wright had tweeted uh, i have so many great and proud memories of the arc like and pacific theaters the dome arc like hollywood the americana and grove too uh but i don't want to post my thoughts and past sense as as i don't want to write an obituary my first thought was what can we what can be done to help um people so there are i mean fucking like variety cover this verge cover this the rap cover this i think like cinema blend screen rant all these all these like a deadline all these like major news sites are like yo this is like fucked up this shouldn't be happening like, mm-hmm. at all yeah um there has been speculations that um supposedly there people might be they may there there might be talks that somebody may be trying to buy it mm-hmm. trying to especially i don't know if it's they want to buy that specific place the Sanrama Dome, like just buy that, or if they want to carry like the whole arc like franchise. A lot of people did throw Netflix name in the hat, like, oh, Netflix should totally buy it. But I don't, I don't think, from what I understand, I, mm-hmm. I don't think Arclight owns the Cinerama Dome. No, they do. Well, I saw something in the original well, it's, it's, article about they were going to hand the keys back to the landlord. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's back to the landlords. I forgot what the landlord's name, but see, the landlords. The, like the Cinerama Dome is kind of there because the Arc Light has is has it there for a purpose for like mm-hmm. screening movies, so the landlord can easily just be like, we can just tear this down and build like fucking apartments or something like that, you know. And depending who owns or who's at least lease um, who owns the lease of that property will keep it as such for whatever need that they have, you know. Specifically, a fucking like um, someone who wants to buy a movie theater franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like uh, for example okay so like netflix netflix bought the egyptian okay they bought it because they wanted to have at least a theater to show their movies right for like oscar runs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so people have been saying like netflix should definitely do this but netflix had already shelled out like 20 million dollars for the egyptian they're not planning to make a profit until like 2022 Mm -hmm. um so it's like i think i've heard like apple being thrown in there um I've I've suggested like why I don't I don't understand why Amazon Studios don't do it because mm-hmm. they have all the fucking money. Plus they have some good stuff. Yeah, they have some good stuff. They like you know they they have they have several Oscars um, Oscar award winning films. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a lot of people are saying like you know they want to save they especially want to save the Cinerama Dome because mm-hmm. it's 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 a landmark in Hollywood. Um, so that's so yeah that's like when we got the news about this yeah we got really bummed out by this and i and i remember where i was just like can we just record tomorrow i do not want to do this and then you're like you want a drink i'm like yes and you're like that's my girl (laughs) (laughs) seriously um so i feel like we should share like why we have such a like why we're so so heartbroken by this yeah um so this is a theater that Kelsey and I used to go to screenings to quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the last like screening screening we saw there? I don't remember, but I remember we saw like what Noah Hawley there or somebody. Yeah, I remember. And you're we saw- like, that guy's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think like the last screening I could say we saw was like at there was like Birds of Prey because I remember we went to that screening. Yeah. Um, I mean, but like we also would attend events there. I remember uh, Kelsey and I went to uh, a screening of oh god, what's that that James Baldwin movie? Oh, the name's escaping me right now. Um, if Bill Street could talk. If Bill Street could talk, and like followed up with a Q and A by Barry Jenkins. Yeah, and I, you knew I was like, like Kelsey can tell I was so fucking excited. I was like, oh my god, we get to see Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. Did we see? Um Sorry to bother you there, or was that somewhere else? No, that was at the LACMA. That was at the theater at there at that location. Oh yeah, because yeah, because that's what the probably with Film Independent or something. Yeah, it was with Film Independent. Um, the I think the last movie we saw there that that wasn't screening was like Jojo Rabbit, and we saw it in the Cinerama Dome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was like. Oh, that was so fucking awesome. <laughs> and, to that, and it's funny because I was remembering every time, even though the new Godzilla movie came out, mm-hmm. every time I hear Godzilla, I picture that stupid ass <laughs> Godzilla on top of the Cinerama Dome. <laughs> yeah, that was their advertising. And I'm like, God damn. And I hate that fucking movie. Yeah, it was a well, King of the Monsters, right? Yeah. That's the way. I remember we saw that screen. We were like, what the fuck? <laughs> um,. And of course, I think I I I, I think we saw that there. Yeah, we not did. in yeah. the dome, but but yeah, we yeah we saw we had a screening there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if this if this was your first time going there, but I specifically remember taking you to that theater to go watch the seventy millimeter seventy seventy millimeter unedited version of two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> And I remember, like, hyping the fuck out of this. I was uh, like, you're going to love this movie. Stanley Kubrick at his best. My God, it's a cinema classic. And it was, like, the original version that's, like, three and a half hours long. This mm-hmm. 
it's so long they had a fucking intermission <laughs> and yeah then, and what was my what was my response to that you're like the, you're like it was it was like what, about the third act you're like that movie's pretentious as shit <laughs> and right there i was just like yeah we're gonna be best friends forever yeah <laughs> you're because you're like because I kind of felt bad because I'm like, I know you love this movie, but uh, you're like, no, the thing that I love about you is that you can tell me your opinion and it can be different than mine. Exactly. <laughs> and you come from a like a like an actual place of but you could tell me why you don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I love I love I love having film discussions with people and not just like Oh, did you like it? Oh, it's stupid. This doesn't make sense. This is dumb. You know, like you were just like, well, this doesn't make sense because a, B, C, and D, and he's pretentious because E, F, G, Y. <laughs> but I could tell you why I liked it, too. Yeah, There were yeah. things that I liked about it, but it felt like two different movies Yeah, at certain points. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that was, and it was that theater and another one that we used to go uh, to, but like we would... Um, after after we would go to a screening or after we watched something, we would like go to like a diner and like eat something and like talk about the movie. Yeah, exactly. And like that's that's one of the things that I, I mean, this is like a side thing, but that's one of the things I miss that the pandemic has taken away from us is like you and I going to see a movie out in L.A. and having and then after we didn't want to like go home, we we're just like, hey, let's go like go get something to eat because it's like ten o'clock, we're hungry, and let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about this movie we just like watched. Like that movie with Rachel Weisz. What was that name of that movie? Uh, it was I like Focus Features film, I think. I know what movie you're talking about. I, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, that was the first time I remember being so affected by a movie and not feeling like I had to hold it in because mm-hmm. you know how like. You know how, like, if you're a kid and you would do certain things to the point where, like, other people tell you not to do it and you almost lose that side of you? Yeah, yeah. And you don't recognize it anymore? hmm And we went to see that movie and I was so, like, inspired by the writing and, like, the way it was that I mm. could not shut up about it and I felt really fucking manic. <laughs> and then we went to that really good pasta place and I was like, God, I fucking love pesto. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. I was like, my mind was blown because I watched this great fucking movie and it had so much to say about it and I'm eating pesto. <laughs> uh, it was called Complete Unknown. That was the movie. Mm. God, 2006. That's, that's almost six years ago. Fuck. Two, no, not 2006. I'm 2016. Sorry. 2016. Yeah. Um, so, pasta, pasta Roma was the place, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like... That's that's why Kelsey and I are so affected by this because like we don't want this theater to go. It like sucks, and yeah. it's like I said, it's that's the thing. Like it's the 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 people who are behind it. They said like yeah, it's permanently closed, but like it happened out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, it wasn't there was no campaigns about like hey we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like we're not making we're not making our rent now. You know there was nothing about that in the news. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have reported it already. Um, let me see. I'm trying to see. There was something I saw about what's going on. Uh, let me see. Our light Hollywood theater. Oh, you're going to have to keep talking while I try to find this. Um, it kind of makes me remember, though, like a few months ago, we were talking about um, the Lemleys and Trouble again, too. Mm-hmm. Because I know that's a movie that you specifically love. And, yeah, I, and I like yeah. I do kind of like it, too, because they do the indie stuff there. Mm. And we don't have to travel all the way to L.A. to go see a movie if we're not really up for it. Um, plus, you know, it's easier to get out of work. 
Um, okay, so uh, so this article by Variety, it said, uh, there's some rumblings that Christopher Foreman, president of uh, Decurion, the theater's parent company, might continue to operate that venue. In that scenario, he might enlist other investors or, or, or rep- repositions sorry reposition it to be a to be even more of a hollywood centric institution than it already is uh the cinema currently hosts many filmmakers q a's and special screenings so it might be i mean like I said, this is a speculation this is like well maybe it'll turn into more of like uh like a, a location where like it's mainly used for like uh displaying like cinema art or something like that you know as mm-hmm. opposed to it being like a typical uh, movie theater movie theater yeah um, it says, should the Foreman family opt to sell the theater? There are a number of potential buyers. Uh, most companies have yet to bid, yet to be approached about a sale. Um, so yeah, a lot of people are saying like Netflix should come and swoop in. Um, it's unclear if our like would be a similarly attractive target. Yeah, because like it's you're not just getting like when Netflix bought the Egyptian, they just bought the Egyptian, like mm-hmm. that one theater. You know, ArcLight is like 200 theaters. Yeah, you know, plus like. Um, we don't know how the theater industry. We we kind of have an idea that the theater industry has been kind of like kind of well, it's been going downhill for a while, mm-hmm. and the pandemic really hurt it. Um, but certain theaters like AMC and like Animal Draft House they filed Chapter Eleven, which a lot of people are, are like, why didn't Arc like file Chapter Eleven? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I saw somewhere. Let me see. I think it says, I think in the same article it says something about oh here we go another possibility is that Animal Draft House could make a play for the venue when it emerges from bankruptcy, mm. which makes sense, um, even though they already just got that location out in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that like they would cover two areas in LA because LA is huge. Yeah, and it makes it easier. I mean, especially like if and Alamo- that's like Alamo Draft House's like wheelhouse right there. Like it yeah. would make sense because of all the Q and As and all the stuff. They've always been more of like. A, cine, a cinephile lovers, you know, a cinephile's, um, what is it, go-to, like, movie oh, yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the reason why they say Alamo Draft House is a strong possibility is because they just had a new uh, equity investment from uh, Altamont Capital Partners. I remember we covered that in a couple of episodes back. Um, but it's kind of weird, though, because doesn't Alamo Draft House keep switching hands? Yeah. That is true. So they're not super, like, on strong footing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we don't, I mean. But I'm thinking, like, someone big, like, AMC would buy them or something. Well, like I said, AMC, they're in Chapter 11, chapter 11 too, and they're bleeding money as well. Yeah. So They just bought that, they just built that new theater edition off of the mall. Oh, over where we're at? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, they just like re- they just fix up the local our local mall like to have like this huge theater uh, connection to it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this this news dropped yesterday, and it's like constantly developing. Like there is a ton of people on Twitter, uh, not just like moviegoers, but like directors and writers and stuff like that. And they're just like, can we like not let this theater die out? Mm-hmm. Like fuck everything else, but like don't let this specific one die out. Yeah, which I I like I said, don't let that die out. I love that theater. I hope somebody can save it. I really really hope someone can.
geriatric cinematic is the Joy Luck Club. My mother started the Joy Luck Club. For 30 years, these women feasted, forgot past wrongs, laughed, played, lost and won, and told the best stories. No talking in Chinese. How do I know you're not cheating? We are your auntie, and we are very honest people. Hollywood Pictures presents the story of four extraordinary women who left their homeland behind. I was raised the Chinese way. To build a future for their daughters in America. I like being tragic, Ma. I learned it from you. Their hopes were inspiring. You have best quality heart. Best quality is everything. Mothers know this. Their passions were consuming. You don't know the power you have over me. One word from you, one look. And I'm four years old again, crying myself to sleep. Their dreams were overwhelming. No matter what you hope for, I'll never be more than what I am. And love would see them through. This film came out in 1993, and the synopsis is the life histories of four Asian women and their daughters reflect and guide each each other. Directed by Wayne Wang, um, written by Amy Tan and Ronald Bass. Uh, it stars a bunch of people that you probably <laughs> don't know, except for Ming-Na Wen. Uh, yeah, Ming-Na Wen, and I think it's like Lisi Lu. She's also oh Lisa well. Liu, yeah yeah she's also known as well. Um, I have actually never seen this movie uh, before uh, we decided to do it for this episode. I had heard about it for years, years and years and years and years. A lot of people had, especially a lot of people in the Asian community, had said like this was like a I don't want to say like a great re- representation, but it was like a film that was like good for the community because it like. It, it, it because you know a movie that's like heavily steeped in like Asian culture and like the struggles and, and like it wasn't the life. like white people playing Asian roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it was like few and far between. Like from what I remember reading when I did some research on this movie, it was this movie, The Joy Luck Club, and then twenty years later, Crazy Rich Asian happened. And then people were like, oh, yeah, Asian movies are great and stuff like that. Memories right? of a Geisha came out. I know people were about that shit for a while. Ooh, that movie was not good. I know you didn't like that movie, but a lot of people did. Yeah, but like but like this one for this one was more of like the Asian American kind of thing. Like modern times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um so since also this is Kelsey's first time ever seeing this movie, um, what did you think about this movie? Kind, I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of got lost in their stories a little bit, like, mm-hmm. like I their stories made sense when they were coming about, and I liked the transitions between the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they would pull back out of the story, it kind of get a little hard to decipher, like who was in what story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like which character that we just saw, like because yeah, like, cause it how, how does it relate to them in this story or something like that? Well, not just that, but like. The older woman would be younger in the story. Yeah, yeah. And then, so you don't really get that person in the story anymore. You mm. get the younger version. So then when they would be out of the story, you couldn't really relate the two. Yeah, it took like a, I, I know what you're saying. Because it, it, it would take like a second for me to be like, oh, we're talking about this particular person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get you. I get you. And that's, and that's not, that's not, 
I think I think with that, it, the transition could have done could have been done a little bit better to kind of like um, so we didn't have to like kind of do like those small mental hurdles to like find out where we're going or what story we're kind of following mm-hmm. or how, or like who's it relate to. Um, so yeah, I get what you're saying with that. Um, what, what was there anything that with you that like really stuck out that you really enjoyed from this story? A lot of the performances I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, before I get into that, the only other the only other thing that I found a little n- none of it's bad, right? Mm. But one thing I found a little bit hard was that some of the stories to me they just seemed like they were telling a sad story to be super extra tragic instead of like this makes sense because of this. Mm. The only story that made sense was um was Ming-Na Wen's mother's story. Because mm-hmm. that seemed a little more um, true than any of the other stories. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I I, I, I don't I don't fully agree with that. I think the story... Where was it? Let me see if I can find it. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find out which story... Okay, the one... The story with uh, Ying Ying and Lena. That one... I think that one was pretty good as well when it comes to like having like a uh, like a theme to it or like a, a underlining message to it that I think was kind of I felt more was a little bit more poignant. That's the story that it was the mother how she was married to that one guy and the guy was like an abusive asshole and she had that she had the kid and everything and she had, ended up like accidentally drowning the baby mm-hmm. and then how that relates to well the, it started off as an accident and then she didn't stop it yeah. And how it relates to the daughter of like how the daughter doesn't, she was dealing with her own identity issues and mm-hmm. how that was related related to the mother. Yeah. Um, I read this article. Um, I think it was, I think it was by, I think it was from the Slate. Um, I think it was from the Slate, which is it's time to forgive the Joy Luck Club. Um, in the article, the author had said that that was more of like of a true feminist story. Because mm-hmm. the woman didn't have her, her, she didn't. She felt like she was living for her husband, and then when her husband like cheated on her and they were gonna divorce, she like still didn't know who she was until her mother like told her that story, and was just like, um, you, I, I didn't have an identity, but you, you do have an identity. Be like something. Be the one thing you want to be. Your value. Know your value. Mm-hmm. That's what she was like, like trying to hit, hit over her, hit her daughter over the head with. Um, And then there's that part where she's like, when the husband comes, and she's like, "You're not taking my house. You're not taking my house. You're not taking my kids." And he's like, "Well, we agreed." And he's like, "No, like this is not going to happen now." Mm -hmm. Like she actually like had her own voice. So that story, that story, and the Ming Nan Wen story, I think those stories are like really, I don't say perfect, but they are like those are the two, the two that stood out the most with me. Mm Mm-hmm. They stood out the most with me, too. I just liked Ming-Na Wen's mother's story mm-hmm. for the realism of it. Yeah. So n- even though I liked the the um, the story, like the underlying message of that, the one with the, the drowning, mm-hmm. um, it just wasn't realistic to me. Oh, okay. 
Like, some of it was, mm. but it was kind of in such a way, like, all of a sudden he was sleeping with another woman right in front of her. Yeah. And yeah. then she lets her baby drown, and then you don't know anything what happens between then and all of a sudden she's with her adult daughter. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what, what I mean? Yeah, like, I did saying, she yeah. ever get in trouble with the law? Like, how'd she get out of the country? None yeah, of that. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah, it just this- seemed to me kind of like... Yeah, you know what this movie it kind of does it does that repeatedly with like with with the mothers like when they tell their story they're like this happened this happened this happened this happened and then I went to America yeah it's like I kind I kind of want to see the, the that part like the lead up to get to America like I'm mean, sorry not the lead up to get to America but like they went through this they decided to go to America but like how they do that well, like how did they kind of like go through their struggle like what did they go through what did they have to do to get out and deal with their mental their own mental hurdles yeah yeah yeah. their emotions and stuff yeah exactly um but i'm not gonna say that 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 stuff really kills the movie for me because it it doesn't yeah i just kind of like i notice it but it doesn't take like it takes away a little bit but it doesn't like Mm -hmm. i don't hate the movie at all i actually really like the movie i feel like because i've I've never read the book the joy luck club Joylet Club book. Um, I feel like that that they go. I feel like that Amy Tank goes into way more detail. Probably for that. And of course, it's like a movie, so a lot of things are going to be like taken out. Well, yeah. and they can't like put so much stuff in the movie because yeah, yeah. they already have so many characters. They have to go th- essentially through eight different stories in the mm-hmm. span of less than two hour movie. Yeah, yeah. So there's they really have to like pick and choose what they're gonna put in there. Yeah, I read somewhere that um they're trying to they wanna do a uh like somebody wants to make a sequel to this movie and it would be it would be three generations. We would see the grandmothers the mothers who are now grandmothers and then the daughters who are now mothers and then we see like their kids. Mm. And I Saw somewhere that like they also want to turn it into a series. I don't know if they want to turn it like a series, like a remake series, or continue the story in series form. But whichever, whichever forward it is, I would totally be down to watch that. For a second, I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, they actually have a longer cut. And I'm like, are, you know, is it gonna be like <laughs> the release cut. the Amy Tan cut? <laughs> <laughs> release the Amy Tan cut. So one of the things that like I, that I remember kind of hearing about this movie was that like. I kept hearing some level of like controversy or hate for the movie mm. over time, and um, like I said, there was this article. It was it's called "It's Time to Forgive the Joy Luck Club," and I believe this was by like Slate Magazine. Yeah. Um, so this article goes into how this film was like a huge like crowning achievement like of the time in like 1993. Okay. Um, With all their blazers and shit. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, so the movie was like a huge hit. It said, other than Jurassic Park, which uh, which saw the release of its fourth sequel earlier this summer. Oh, this, is, this article is pretty old. Uh, no other 1993 release is as frequently cited in the, culture, the current culture conversations as the Joy Luck Club. Um, so what, from, what I'm, from what I read this article... Um, the reason why some of this movie got turned on was that when this movie came out as like a crowning achievement and like following like Asian American culture and stuff like that, that it was the only one. Like yeah. there was nothing that was following that. There was no other film. So it was like people had their their focus on this movie of like like it's like man bashing. It's it's male bashing. Cause there there's a number of scenes where like 
you to see men are just fucking garbage in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are in real life, though. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so and, I, I kind of feel like there's some truth to that, but mm-hmm. like more so, I would be like, so you guys are saying we got our movie in 1993, mm. and that's it. Like we got our one movie, so we can shut the fuck up now. Like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, it said okay. So in the article, it says the Joyla Club was left with the task of representing all all Asian Americans. It was a fate its author likely never intended. Uh, had a wave of it had a wave of Asian American stories followed. Um, the Joy Love Club into the American Cineplex as many hoped after success the movie could have found a comfortable home among a spectrum of representation instead its unique standing curdled both the book and the movie for many of the people they uh, purportedly spoke for regardless of whether they read the novel which the film both or neither um, there where was that I also saw it like something about like Wayne like, oh because I, I remember so like this, like I said, this movie was like a culture impact, but it was like the only culture impact when it came to like Asian American at that time, and it like backfired, or like it wouldn't backfire. It was like I said, it was like the only thing. It's like it's like if they make, um, let me try to think. Like it's like if they make like what's a, what's a really good black movie? Okay, like okay, like let's say for example, Get Out. Let's say they make Get Out, mm-hmm. right? 1993. They make Get Out, and they don't make other black movies that have some of the similar style, mm-hmm. right? Like ever, eventually people would start turning on that movie because they would start seeing like that's how you're gonna represent the black culture with just this one movie. What's that movie? Queen and Slim had a lot of backlash for kind of some, I guess, things that I would think would be similar because mm. it was the only film like that mm. where it was like black love and everything, and they were seen as criminals, but they really weren't. Yeah, um, but you don't really see that. You see gangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. No. <laughs> um, so even though this movie was, like, super successful at the time, you would think that, like, a lot of, the, of these uh, a- actors and actresses who were in this movie, they would have a huge career. Well, a lot of them, like, it didn't work out. Uh, Ming-Na Wen is, like, a good example that it did work out. But a lot of these actors and actresses, like... And it took a while for her, though. And honestly, oh yeah, she weird. had to, she had to like really build up she to it. She had to, and the thing is, she was very nice and sweet in this movie. Mm. I've never seen her that way. I see, I remember her from fucking Agents of Shield or like when she was in um, the Mandalorian. Yeah, <laughs> like the badass roles. That's what I know her for. <laughs> yeah. So, like for example, like uh, Wayne Wayne Wang, he had said that. Uh, as Mr. Wayne, so it was in this article, it's titled, In 1993, Joy Luck Club Changed Hollywood Until It Didn't. Um, so the article, within the article, it says, um, as Mr. Wang broadened his reach, he also tried to pitch an Asian American Asian American film to studios, but there was like no success to it. Granted, the Joy Luck Club was very successful, but he was pitching all these like type of Asian American films and the studios were just like, no, nah, we don't want that. But it's like, it's, you're like, so it was the studios because they're like, yeah, you guys got your one film. Now yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, dude, he's like, there's a fucking market for this shit, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, here we go. It's like if they make, it's like if they make Black Panther and that's it. Like nothing else after. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So while his large ideas like an adaptation of West Side Story set in the Chinatown were rejected, so were his most modest efforts to place Asian characters in his films. Um, he says, 
I would always say, I know this I know this character wasn't written for an agent, but why can't we take a good agent actor or actress and put them in the role? He continued to say, and that would always be a fight that I couldn't win. So even the studios were like, no, no, you, you got that one. You're good. Yeah. You're good, dog. Which is fucked up because, like, the movie's good. Like, did you know it's, like, it's an actually fucking good movie. Yeah. Um, I was... Uh, uh, a listener of ours, uh, Elsie, she had commented on a post uh, on her post on, on Instagram when we were announcing this movie. She said herself, she was like, this movie always makes me cry. Mm. And there is a particular part in this movie. Like, I was like, and I was, I was like feeling everything like that. But there's like a particular part of the movie where it's like gut punching. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, fuck, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> what part is that? That's the part where Ming-Na Wen finally... Um, she goes overseas and she finally meets her her sisters. Mm-hmm. And like when I saw it, it reminded me of when I finally met my sister. Oh. Like the same every. What well, I mean, we didn't meet like off a boat or anything like that. Like it shows in the movie, but like this the sentiment was still there. Mm. I always wonder about that too, because I'm so I guess jaded mm-hmm. on family. <laughs> You're just like fuck family. I'm just like I don't think if i knew i had family out there that i hadn't met that i'd be like hey yeah yeah like we're family and yeah i'd be like i don't know you <laughs> yeah like you're still a fucking stranger <laughs> like you gotta prove to me that you're likable yeah um <laughs> so wait did i ask like was there anybody that stuck out for, did i ask that um you didn't okay um you know like anything like you can say about the performance on may Mm-hmm. I feel like her story, even though I didn't view it as one of the realistic ones, mm-hmm. um, I felt like her story was kind of heartbreaking to me. I got really sad when her son got taken by... That story is so fucked up. Yeah. That made me sad, and I felt like the performance in that in that movie and the whole fact that her daughter mm-hmm. was like, I hated her, they taught me to hate her, yeah. and then... They took her son away from her. Yeah. And like, that was it. And like, whatever happened to him? You know, I don't to, think we ever find out what happened to oh, that Oh, to the son. brother? Yeah. yeah. I was curious. That was one of the things you were curious about. Because like, I know like, by the end of that story, like, she says like, oh, uh, like the husband like took care of us and made sure we were, you know, well off and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was curious, like, whatever happened to the brother? Yeah. I feel like that's something that's in the book. Probably. That we, should, that we need to find out. At least mentioned. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, um, but for me, I think mm-hmm. the performance by her mm-hmm. was, like, one of the best because... Uh, who, are you talking about Lisa, Lisa Liu, the one yeah. who played the mother? Or are you talking about, like, the one who played the younger version? The of, younger version. Oh, of Anme, yeah. Yeah, because, like, she has to feel all the things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, and she seems kind of cold when you see her, and she's like... You don't know where she's been living and she's been away for all these years. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, But she starts to, you start to realize why after you follow them to the house. Um. So, like, one thing that I, one thing that I, I liked, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to go this route, but I, I'm actually glad that they did, was at the beginning of the movie that we get 
uh, Ming Na Wen's and her the tension between her and her mother, mm-hmm. and how at the, at the beginning we get that reveal that like the mother had uh, had twins mm-hmm. and had to like leave them on the side of the road after uh, the Japanese had like uh, invaded China. Yeah, invaded China, right? And I like how we had that, and then we come back to that later to to get that full. So it's like setting up. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the struggles that these women had to go through. And here's like here's our stories, but let's 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 have that big one to have that big like cathartic ending of like, um, because within the because the stories between the Ming Nan Ming Nan story from at the beginning and the end, the one in the middle we have kind of a resolution mm-hmm. with all of them. Like the mother went through this, the daughter went like this, and this is how they how they met in the middle or mm-hmm. how they came, and then at the end. We get that, like, almost like a delicious sandwich. A delicious, yeah. <laughs> like, well thought out plot sandwich of, like, emotional beat, emotional beat, emotional beat, laughter, emotional beat, and gut punch. There you go. Mm. Here's all the struggles. Eat that fucking sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you have to mention the one house. The one house? The metal one. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> okay, okay. One of the things that is kind of a hobby of mine is like is a uh, is architecture. Mm-hmm. I love architecture. I love I love how buildings look outside. And I I worked for a furniture company for like a few months, and it got me into like understanding like styles and how to like make your make your house you know the way how you like want to make the it. most of your space. Exactly, exactly, exactly. What was the story? It was a story with Ying Ying. I think it was like yeah, Ying Ying and Le- Lena. No, 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 that wasn't the story. Oh, the matchmaker one. I don't remember what story that was. Oh, it was, I think it was the Aunt, the Aunt May story. No, that's not the story. Fuck, I forgot which story that one is. I think that's the story of the drone. Because she was saying how this daughter doesn't have a personality because the child that I had before had okay, a personality. Okay, that one. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so that one, that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. That one, so like Lena, who's married to this dude, uh, they get this apartment that's, I, I think it's like based in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the wall, it's just, it's metal. Everything is, fuck, the walls are sheet metal. The, the counters are metal. The counters in the kitchen are metal. The drawers are metal. Um, the mother says this great fucking line of like, she talks about the bedroom saying like who makes a bedroom that makes you feel like you're sleeping in a coffin mm. something like that and i was just like it looks like a fucking coffin and it it, it and it looks so cold and lifeless and you had something to say about that right like how that symbolizes like the relationship yeah the house was an analogy for their relationship yeah. because this story in case you don't know is like the husband is like the CEO of this company and he makes seven times the amount of um, the girl that, or the woman that he's married to. Like he actually sets her pay. He knows how much she makes. Yeah. The the daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still split everything 50, 50, even though she's like, I don't like ice cream. Yeah. That part was fucked up. I was like, that's not how relationships work, but okay. Yeah, like, like it's okay that she should want to pay for things. So she doesn't feel like he's taking care of her completely. Yeah. But like he should pay for the rent and you know, like mm-hmm. she should take on like a couple of the bills, but like, 
you know, whoever makes the most money should pay a little bit more so that everyone has money to move around. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I need to correct myself. I'm sorry. She's the one who came up with the idea, but he's the one who like abused the fuck out of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, um, yeah, that that house is definitely like an analogy for that marriage. It's very <laughs> cold. Like everything is a transaction. Mm-hmm. And that sh- that house that, that that place looks so fucking ugh, just <laughs> gross. Just, just oh god, man! I want to punch that guy's face. <laughs> he was kind of ugly too. I've seen that dude. I, his name is escaping, but I've seen that dude in a bunch of like uh, uh, a bunch of other movies. He always comes off kind of like an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you're like yeah, of course. I can would. see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like. In terms of like direction, um, I think Wei Yang he like he does a really good job in like letting the letting the story just kind of unfold. Like he doesn't do anything like any like crazy camera tricks or anything like that. You can tell that his thing was like he. Ju- I like how he transitioned though between the stories. That's the thing. I was. I thought you had a problem with that. No, I like that part. Okay, well then, then that's just me. That's that's my that's that was my problem with the transition was like it wasn't too defined when it came to like no i had a problem with the characters you know since they were telling the mother stories the the characters were younger yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah but like they would talk about like it would be like they would be telling their story Mm -hmm. and then they'd all of a sudden be back in the thing in the group and that woman would be talking to her daughter and then they would tell the daughter's story yeah yeah so like the transitions to me were really nice okay yeah i get what you're saying it's just like the lead-up transition is that the the start of the stories is that you're referring to right yeah, like whenever they would be in between stories and yeah. then they would like transition to the next one. Yeah, yeah. I liked you. that. Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, but like I, I feel like I feel like that the no, no no but. Um I feel like the the director that something tells me that he kinda had this style in his head of like of a play. And he wanted to like shoot it kinda like a play because mm-hmm. um when they were when we were kinda coming back to like what was going on, um you know, because it all it takes place like in um, that apartment, and like or it looked like a house to me. Yeah, yeah I think it was a house. Um, like that setting was like you can tell like this would have been a setting of like a play, and then like if it was done like a play or a stage play, the the I can picture like um, the stage like rotating. Yeah. To like change it into like this is the story that we're following now. This is the past story and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so like it's it's like I said the, the director doesn't do anything like fancy with the camera but he knows how to like let the shots he knows he knows that he doesn't need to do that because the story within itself is like really good and the performance from all the actors all the actors is like spot on yeah um yeah so that, like that's my take on the on the direction <laughs> yeah for me there were, I didn't really have any issues with the direction mm. I just. It was hard for me to keep the story straight because of the actors, like yeah. the older women and then the younger actors. Mm. Um, but I didn't really have any other issues with it, though. I, like, <laughs> yeah. like it was this, even though the stories weren't realistic, mm. um, like, like maybe too over dramatic. Yeah, it was like watching a novella at some parts. Yeah, I can see that. But other than that, like it was enjoyable though. Still, so I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. it was just good, and it was full. Like, it, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. like, the pacing was good. So you didn't, and there was a lot to 
learn about these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't feel bored? <laughs> when you said about the pacing, like, there's a lot to learn about these people, but the, pac- the pacing works so well. It reminds me of JFK. <laughs> Back and to the left. What was, I want Kelsey to tell the story. What was our reaction when we saw somebody's name show up? <laughs> we were watching the credits. The, the opening op- credits. opening credits, yeah. For the Joy Luck Club. And we saw Oliver Stone. Yeah, an Oliver Stone production. No, we saw Oliver Stone first. Yeah. Because that's like, that's what popped out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And both simultaneously were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then, like, then it hit me that it was a production. And then you looked it up and you're like, yeah, it's just production. He's not going to direct it. But, like, we were both like, fuck yeah yeah like we didn't like i didn't i I didn't um i didn't look up who directed this movie before we started watching it but like (laughs) oliver stone like give him i mean you can give him credit for like his some of his past films but we've done like two of his movies and we're just like damn this dude is not his movies do not hold up you know what's funny i think after watching born on the fourth of july which is a film about a guy with ptsd Uh uh-huh we have PTSD about any time we see Oliver Stone's name. Seriously. Both of us like, oh, fuck. Like, no. <laughs> but we're glad that he did not direct this movie. Yeah. Um, so, Kelsey, does the Joy Luck Club still hold up? Yes. I fully agree. I feel like this is a story that... Uh, should definitely be watched by other, uh, by other than Asian people, um, many other types of people, white, black, Mexican, all that kind of stuff. You know, I do have one small other complaint. Okay. For how Asian this film is, I don't feel like I got anything from it as a white person. Really? It's not really a complaint. Like, that mm-hmm. sounds really like that wasn't a good Asian film because I didn't learn anything as a white person. But, mm-hmm. like... I really didn't get anything culturally from it. Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you kind of get what I'm saying, but like, like it was just maybe. Maybe it's not really a complaint because they're modern, so they're they're more modern because of modern times. So like, mm. they're in America and they they have their same issues that uh, like other white people have too. But mm. like. I don't know. Like, I didn't feel like I was thrown into their world enough. Oh, maybe. okay. I, okay, I get what you're saying. You, like, you wanted more more of a culture experience. Like, I wanted to know what it was like to be them in that time. I think, aside from um, Ming-Na Wen's mm. character's mother, yeah. the only other one that I... F- that Even though I didn't feel like it was very realistic... The only other one that I felt like I was thrown into the world was the one. Um, Which story? Was, what's her name? Um, Waverly's mom. Waverly. Lindo? The oh. one who was um, kind of sold to another family. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That one for me felt a little more like. I was in her world. Oh, I get you saying. I get what you're saying. Um, but okay. the other ones, I felt like I was just a spectator. I guess. Okay, I see. Okay, I get what you're saying. I t- I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I was I was afraid you're like, you know, as a white person, I didn't feel this. <laughs> yeah, no, I was trying not to go there because yeah, it yeah, wasn't I was really like... it was starting to come out that way, but that's not what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to try to like I didn't want to try to like guide you like, no, 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 you meant this. I'm like, oh God, please please fix it. Please like <laughs> don't come off ignorant, please. <laughs> yeah, no. Like no, and so that's saying. what I mean, like like if you're gonna be showing these stories, mm. like make sure the people are in it. You know what I mean? I that, and that, that's why I didn't, I guess, feel like it was yeah, yeah. super cultural, even though they were trying to be, I guess. No, I get you say, like, you felt more, you felt more that the uh, match, the matchmaking story one has more of a, a stronger cultural um, world building, not world building, but a, a, a environment. More, like yeah, there you go. Culture environment. Yeah, yeah. And the other ones just kind of let you as a spectator. Yeah. Um, I'm sure probably like other people felt like, oh, this one was more like this, this one more like that. I, it's, it's surprising. Like I felt more like a spectator to all the stories, but like I felt like what everybody was kind of going through, especially like the story with, um, oh, which one was it? I think it was a story with on May. With all the wives. That's the one with all the wives. Was that the one with all the wives? Mm-hmm. No, 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 not that one. That's the raped mother and stolen child story? No, no, not that. Maybe it was that story. Yeah, I think it was that story. The daughter, Rose. It was the daughter. I think it was the daughter, Rose. I felt it was the one with how she kept trying to get respect from her mother. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, she was a chess player. And her mother was kind of like prouncing her around like, oh, my daughter's this chess player, blah, blah, blah. And remember, there's like that scene where they're in the salon. That was Waverly. Waverly, okay, um, okay. So yeah, that was so, okay. So then that one, the one with with Waverly, like I felt, I felt more of a connection with her because of how she felt like she always has to try to get her the respect from her mother. Mm-hmm. And she said this line. She was like, she said something like, "You can just." She goes, "You can just break me with like a look." Yeah, that's the one. The matchmaker. Okay, her mom yeah. was the matchmaker story. Yeah, that with her, I felt more of that one. I actually felt more of with the Waverly one. And Mingna Wen's character, because Mingna Wen's character, she always she felt like her mother looked at it at a level of disappointment, and her mother was like, "No, I always have hope for you. Like I, I pass my hope to you mm-hmm. as well." It's hard when people say that. Like mm. I always have hope for you. It means like so that means since you still hope for me, that means I still haven't done what you <laughs> wanted me to do. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they cover that, and it's it's so it's so sweet. Like how the mothers is like, no, no, like you have like. The best quality of you is like you're a good person, mm-hmm. and that's like a hard thing to come across. Yeah, which I thought was really was really poignant in the movie. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, like is it because <laughs> we went off again? <laughs> yeah, because uh, the movie's that fucking good. You know, it is. there's a discussion. Um, so yeah, I think the movie's really good. I think it still holds up as well. Um, like I said, if they if they do make a sequel or like a series. That follows the story like longer, like I'm totally about it. Yeah, so I totally I'll watch check it. that out. So is that it? We done? Yeah. All right. Um, so yes, we want to th- oh, hit the mic. All right. Finally. I know. I think I did once already. <laughs> so uh, we want to go ahead and thank everybody for joining us on this uh, week's episode. Um, we would especially like to thank uh, your entertainment corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, you can find. All your film and TV news and reviews on your yourentertainment.com. No, it's yourentertainmentcorner.com. Gotta fix that. Yourentertainmentcorner.com, where our 
lovely co-host Kelsey Loisel writes uh, for that site. Um, if you're not on that site, you can also follow. You can also find this podcast on all uh, podcast catchers, you know, Spotify, iTunes. I, I've been saying it every episode. You, you know where to get them. You know where to get them. Verbal. Verbal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next week's episode, um, we are going to do for our recent review. We're going to do uh, Concrete Cowboy. It might be Concrete Cowboys. I feel like I typed it in wrong. Um, that is currently streaming on Netflix. Uh, so with that, we're going to do our geriatric cinematic, which is 1948's The Bicycle Thieves. Um, that is streaming on HBO Max or on the Criterion channel. I can't wait, Kelsey, to, to watch this movie. Yeah. Oh, I have not even... Holy shit. Okay, I just realized I, there's a genre I have not really fully gotten you into. I mean, kind of, but not fully. Um... Italian neo realism. I know. You were supposed to show me spaghetti westerns too, which you totally have not done. I know. I You're suck. like, oh yeah, you like westerns? That's really rare for a female to like. I know. And then... my, 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 my sexist, misogynic, misogynistic comment. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. <laughs> then you're like, yeah, we need to really watch some stuff. And then nope. <laughs> hey, you're watching a western now. Warrior. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's my fault. I mean, I've showed you like some of like Fellini's eight and a half, but um, this okay. one is like, <sighs> this is like neorealism, like to the fullest. I was watching Bonanza a couple weeks ago and you're like, I've never seen that. That doesn't count. It does. No, it doesn't. Look, it's white people who actually give a damn about Native Americans. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um... So the topic of that week's episode uh, will be bonding over transportation. Being all silly. on the bus go round and round. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so that's going to be it for our show for this week. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us. Um, wear your mask. Wash your damn hands. Take your, take your vaccine. Kelsey got her first dose. I got my first dose. And the first day of it was not a good feeling. Holy shit. <laughs> That's another reason why we didn't record on Monday. Or I was like, yeah, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I feel like it hit you a lot harder than it did me. Yeah, but I'm good now. Yeah, I'm just dreading that second one. Hopefully, it's not going to be knew. as bad. I knew. I was bad. like, I, I was like, by two o'clock today, you're going to feel better. Yeah. Did you? Yes. I was right. Just this once. <laughs> you're always right. Um, so yeah, uh, that's going to be it for our show. I want to bid you all adieu. Uh, however, I'm going to leave you guys off with a nice little story. Um, when I was a when I was a little boy, uh, my mother used to she would take me with her grocery shopping, and at this grocery store, um, they had an area where they would sell uh, churros, and I love churros. I still love churros to this day. It was that cinnamon like. Sweet bread kind of thing. Oh, it's so fucking good, mm-hmm. right? But there was like, there was like one day where I asked my mom, and she and she would normally buy me churro like every time we were leaving the store. You know, we go grocery shopping to get our, our our food for the week, and at the end of grocery shopping, you know, she would buy me churro. But there was a particular day that she didn't do this, so of course I wasn't having it. So there I am, 
on the floor, screaming, crying, I want to shoot him, I want to shoot him. You know, I was like, I was like 18 years old when this happened. <laughs> oh, no, I was like six or seven, right? I want to shoot him, I want to shoot him. And my mom was like, Mark, what is your problem? Why are you doing this? You know, she's like getting really upset and everything. And I looked at her and I had just seen the Joy Luck Club. <laughs> at that very early age, I had just watched the Joy Luck Club. Because when I looked at her, I said, Mom, I like being tragic. I learned it from you. 